All right, and Metallica Seek and Destroy because coming up on, uh, what is it, five years? Five years. Is it four years? Five years? Jeez, can't uh, keep track of this here. Um, yeah, five. Wow, it's been over four years, four and a half years. Sometimes it, get, it gets by me. Um, discuss the truth. Ian Trache coming uh, at you from Miami, Florida, where I began this program in 2016. 2016 because of the Zika virus. And lo and behold, here we are today with something called COVID-19, which uh, coming up on two years uh, has uh, so many parts of the world in lockdown. That includes Canada, still in this massive tyrannical lockdown, and the United States. Look, there was a sufficient pushback that they have eased up now on their mask tyranny and their mask mandates and uh, you know pushing these vaccines down people's veins, if you will, down people's throats. Um, don't wear the mask. Don't get the vaccine. Force your pharmaceutical companies, force these big punks, okay, these big, massive, tyrannical communist punks, okay? And I'll explain why I say t- uh, communist in regards to pharmaceutical. Force them to work on uh, developing, uh, developing a... Um, uh, uh, developing a, um, a a cure. Well, what a concept, a cure. Well, a cure doesn't make profits, Ian. A cure doesn't make money. Uh, okay, so uh, you know, basically, the reason I say communist is because it all, all all this all of this stuff, all these scandemics, these plandemics, they all tie into the central banking system that's ruled and run right out of Switzerland. And in my opinion, it roots right back to one of the two, actually, the world's m- m- largest. The world's largest business, which would be uh, the Vatican. Okay, now I know there's a lot of different sects, and people get offended at me when I point fingers at the uh, uh, at, 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 at Catholicism. But folks, relax a little bit. Relax a little bit. Um, if it is a business, which it is, it is the largest business on the planet. Okay, and you have to look at it that way. There's various sects, and there's various uh, things going on with Catholicism. Uh, uh, various people, but but could there be corruption inside of that organization? Absolutely, just like any large organization. Absolutely, you just have to look. All roads lead to Rome. But the facts are the facts, and let's just get down to the facts and look at the facts. So the central banking system is run out of Basel, Basel, Switzerland, uh, Basel, uh, Basel, Switzerland, and that includes the bank that manipulates the United States government, which is the Federal Reserve Bank. We're going to bring in Finton Dunn. Right now, bringing in Finton Dunn. Finton Dunn will be joining us. You're tuned in to Discussion of Truth. And I'm your host, Ian Hamilton Trottier. Welcoming Finton Dunn to the program. And I thank you for listening. And please pass this on to um, listeners. Finton. Finton, are you there? Can you hear me? Hello, Finton. You copy there, dude? I copy. I copy you, yes. Okay. Can you hear me? I can hear you ten four. Fantastic. You what? Me? Yes, I hear. I hear you loud and clear. All right, dude. Great to talk to you, man. Well, it's nice to connect with you, and um, uh, I want to. I want to give uh, give you a moment to give an introduction for listeners. Uh, and Fenton, uh, Fenton, I have just recently there's. There's two. There's two gentlemen uh, that. Well, there's you being one of them. There's two. There's two. Two gentlemen that are doing real uh, nuts and bolts, nitty gritty analysis 
uh, globally, and I'm not sure, uh, and I've just recently come across the work that you're doing, and I see that John Rappaport has given you a nice quote on your website. Um, and you can you can talk about that in a minute, but the, but the other the other person that I've recently come across that's doing some really great work is an Australian named Max Eigen. Of course, you, it sounds like you've you've taken a look at the work that I've done the past few years, um, uh, and mm-hmm. uh, and I've had uh, I've had David Icke on and and a couple other uh, Andy Thomas, uh, Tony Gosling, and those are those are UK, those are English. You are Irish based. Uh, let's uh, let's just start here for a moment, Fintan, before I start. Uh, Getting carried away and talking, talking my talking your ear off. Give a give a moment. Give a, give listeners a, listeners a, a brief introduction uh, to what you do, who you are, Fintan. Welcome to the program. Okay, thanks very much, Ian. And uh, you know, I was a software guy, and I have a bit of a tendency to about eighteen years ahead of the curve. I've calculated that one. I started with Apple in the end of eighty one, and. Uh, we were going around telling everybody this would change the world, and indeed it did by the year 2000. But uh, then around the year 2000 and a little before that, I began to get plugged into what was really going on underneath the surface. And uh, that culminated in my intense involvement with AIDSmith.com, a website, and the AIDS dissidents as they were known. In fact, it was a precursor to what we're going through right now with uh, the COVID. And so I was working with um, everybody who was anybody in the AIDS dissident movement. Uh, Then, of course, 9-11 happened. When 9-11 happened, that was the game changer. I was intensely involved, having known what was going to happen, if you know what I mean, uh, intensely involved in analysis of that event. And within 14 days, I produced the first article, probably the first article to start questioning. It was a teaser for the second one. And in the second one, three weeks after 9-11, I was the first to identify the fact that the buildings in the complex had changed hands uh, in a deal with Westfield Corporation and Larry Silverstein, uh, where they had taken a brand new insurance on brand new building, or an old building, I should say, but with brand new owners. You know, the fundamental question you would ask, even if you weren't a so-called conspiracy theorist, is insurance companies don't like it when they take out brand new insurance and somebody claims against the policy three weeks later they figure they've been set up and so did i Uh, that article went viral and so began my involvement in that and i've been on the uh on the edge all the time but never expecting that we would reach this climatic moment when we would finally get a chance to stand up to them and take them down due to their arrogance and uh, overambition. And so that brings me to my involvement uh, today in informedconsent.ie, which is an Irish-based website, but really Ireland is acting as as a linchpin, which is interacting with the uh, US and European activists and of course our dear friends down in Australia and New Zealand who are virtually occupied territory and that takes us right up to where we are now Ian. Yeah thanks Fintan that was a very uh, concise and comprehensive uh, look at, at the work that you've done over the past uh, few decades. Um, if we back, uh, back up a moment um, and uh, uh, talk a little bit about what got you looking into um, an alternative view of the common narrative of AIDS. Well, what got you looking into that? 
Yeah, well, so I was uh, I was there with my partner, Cathy McMahon, great researcher, one of the best, an instinctive and intuitive researcher. You can't duplicate that any other way. In Daytona Beach, uh, on a pair of uh, net zero free internet connections and a pair of PCs from Best Buy, and uh, looking into stuff, and one day she sends me a website called Virusmith. It says this is the website for hundreds of scientists who dispute the HIV AIDS paradigm. And as I began to dig into that, I've got a you know technical background as well. I, I, I you know, I was going to be a lab technician if I hadn't pulled out of college. That was definitely not for me. But you know, so I had a sort of basic uh, medical and scientific understanding. And I began to delve into those articles by people like uh, Eleni Papadopoulos in Australia and uh, Dave Rosnick, who was a protease inhibitor designer, and of course, Peter Duesberg, who was uh, one of the leading scientists questioning the paradigm. And as I looked into it, there was more and more evidence that they were right. And that in fact, the so-called transmissible virus was really an artifact which comes out of our own systems that we can manufacture HIV, as it's called, uh, because it's a retrovirus. We have many retroviruses, generally speaking, harmless. And um, those retroviruses can be activated by a number of things, including very poor nutrition and also lack of selenium. So uh, selenium is key in methylation of DNA. The techie inclined can go look that up. Methylation of DNA, selenium, low selenium soil levels in Africa, uh, are uh, in East Africa in particular, are, are you know part of the genesis of this, and the also the Chinese, believe it or not, after World War II had uh, AIDS-like symptomatology emerge in individuals who were in areas where there was low selenium in the soil, and they remedied that to correct it. So I was suddenly looking at an entirely different explanation for this cohort of AIDS victims, and then I looked at the people who were the initial cohort, and who else? But Anthony Fauci was the guy who back in 81 had come across, he said, this cohort, a small cohort of gay males. And uh, he began to study them because they were suffering from immune depression. Famously, three years later, Margaret Heckler in 1984 announced without scientific peer review, by the way, that they had determined oh, there was a new virus out, it was infectious, sexually transmitted, the whole nine yards. But look at the people that Fauci had studied and Fauci's dirty, grimy, evil, grubby hands are all over two massive fear-inducing viruses now. But in this first one, these so-called infected uh, gay males, they were living the party life in. These were typical. And that whole scene was a constant party. It was a party of five nights a week parties, multiple sexual partners per night. Uppers, downers, poppers, coke, alcohol, very little good nutrition, and many sequential sexually transmitted infections treated with very strong antibiotics, including cotrimoxazole, also known as Bactrim, which is deadly to mitochondria. I realized, and they argued, that this cohort didn't need a damn virus to make them have collapsed immune systems. They were having a great time doing that all on their own. So, so yeah. out of that was this whole paradigm of sexually transmitted AIDS. That's what led me into it. Very good research, 
by some of the key people in the, in the world, including Carrie Mullis, the uh, yes. inventor of the DNA test, who back then was saying exactly what he's been quoted as saying now, except like 18, 20 years before. He said this PCR test, which you've you know, used my invention to develop, you can't use it in the way you're using it. It's not, it doesn't tell you about active illness at all. It's like, so you know those arguments. So there are echoes of, uh, of that AIDS in, in what's going on today, obviously. And for listeners that, that aren't familiar, the inventor of uh, Mollus, the inventor of the PCR test, very controversial pe- uh, test, um, uh, died, uh, uh, he died suddenly before this, uh, before this pandemic broke out. Um, uh, uh, Fintan, um, uh, uh, you've done some some great work here uh, in in regards to uh, to AIDS, and and I think I think slowly people are piecing uh, piecing links together of this COVID nineteen to AIDS. Uh, in my background, uh, I, I in South Beach, I began looking into uh, I began looking into the Zika virus, and from there I found uh, banking corruption. So that's mm-hmm. that's what started me doing. What I do, are, are you familiar, by chance, uh, uh, Fenton, are you familiar with the Uganda Virus Research Institute? I'm not, Ian, I'm not. Uh, but I am familiar with the fact that, that you, like me, <laughs> on a computer in, in Florida, came across a virus that you realized there was huge holes in the, in the argument that's been put forward. And so I defer to your expertise in the area of the Zika, uh, having only examined it just enough to realize the pile of horse crap that it is. Uh, but please do enlighten me more, Ian. Well, you know, I, 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 I can't go too much in depth, but, but what I always tell my listeners is simply follow the money. And, and if we look at the... Uh, if we look at the Rockefeller uh, 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 oil empire that was dissolved, it was simply not dissolved. It was basically it basically expanded because the, the antitrust lawsuit in 1912 uh, broke up into, I think, 33, perhaps it was 33 uh, companies. Uh, the majority shareholders of those smaller companies remained the Rockefellers. So they simply broke their empire up. Well, JD uh, uh, broke his empire up, and, the, and 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 remained, and he remained uh, the largest shareholder. So, this is, if your listeners are in Exxon, Chevron, these are, these are the names today. Uh, Mobile, but he also started dominating the healthcare industry. And as you know, uh, the Rockefeller Foundation, which is a, a product of the antitrust lawsuit of 1912, uh, the Rockefeller Foundation began investing in medical uh, uh, schools, uh, not only in the United States but also in China. For instance, uh, the Beijing, uh, uh, which was then Peking uh, College of Medicine, and then in the United States, mm-hmm. for instance, uh, the University of Chicago. Uh, those are two examples of Rockefeller, uh, basically uh, founded, uh, majority majority funded uh, uh, institutions. Now, it, 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 getting back to the Uganda Research Institute, this, of course, is uh, 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 where the Zika virus in the 1940s uh, had uh, gotten a patent. The patent, I think, was on the extraction process from the monkey. Uh, then it was inserted into uh, clinical trials being human beings um, in the 1940s. But that is also a research institute um, funded and founded by the Rockefellers. Um, what's of question here is perhaps uh, this, 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 uh, this industry, which is, which is an industry of eugenics, 
I don't know if you want to you want to go down that road or not. But uh, are you in Florida? You're an you're an Irishman, but are you living in Florida? Uh, no, I'm 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 back here in Ireland many years. Uh, but I spent a while in, in Daytona Beach, in Ormond Beach, on the beach side there. I just loved it there. It was terrific. But just coming on to your point about the, the eugenics, the medical establishment, and, and all of this, you know, um, I'll start with the colonial abuses uh, of, the, uh, of the British colonial power in its time in relation to Ireland. What they did was they brought in the so-called penal laws. And under the penal laws during the uh, colonial occupation of Ireland, um, it wasn't, you couldn't practice your religion. You couldn't speak your language. And of course, they were trying to culturally destroy the Irish with these tactics. Now, we look in China, we see China deploying the same tactics against the Uyghurs. And the objective is to re-educate their children, uh, to destroy their existing culture and replace it with the culture of the Chinese Communist Party. So these tactics are old. And so what there is now is a synthesis between the control structures which they have in medicine and a determined bid to apply these tactics to Western populations. Of course, we didn't see it coming because we think it, it's an invader who does that to you, who, who forces you into their re-education, um, little realizing that the invader was already in our presence. The invader was already within and the enemy is within. And so we have been de-educating our children using enemy tactics. This is deliberate and cognizant. Why wouldn't it be? This is always the way totalitarianism acts and prospers. And so I believe, Ian, that the, we've come to the, to the point now where there is no going back. It's not a question of whether the children or children's schools are wearing masks or whatever, which is abusive and a horrible thing to do, which they're doing in the United Kingdom, which they're doing with relish in Ireland. Um, but it's not just about the masks anymore. It's about our survival. We've got to take our kids out of their schools, their schools. We thought they were our schools, not that their schools. And the Uyghurization of Western populations is underway. And of course, the you know, inevitable end point of that, I think, is that they can save themselves the cost of, of the re-education by vaccination. And whatever is included in the vaccines, once they're mandatory, you'll never know, you will never be told, but you won't be having so many kids. So this is a deadly and insidious colonial move which has been made against ourselves here in the West. And there's no way back put out. Uh, anyway, your kids are gonna learn more with access to the internet, with uh, the quality of educational material that's there, and also with being taught to empower themselves rather than to become you know, compliant, complicit drones within their hive mind. Uh, uh, Finton, I think it's it's beautiful. And, and by the way, uh, again, Finton uh, Finton's website is Finton Dunn. That's D U N N E FintonDunn dot com. And 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 uh, your show is the beautiful truth. I think it's beautifully said. No pun intended. <laughs> I think it's beautifully said. How you said colonialism. Now, Finton, it didn't take me too long. 
to discover down the road of the Zika virus and the, the pesticide that was being used that, by the way, was rejected by the World Health Organization, or rejected by uh, Ricky Rosseo, the governor of Puerto Rico. Uh, he rejected the World Health Organization's shipment of this pesticide that, that the Miami-Dade uh, mayor and uh, Miami-Dade, uh, uh, Miami Beach uh, mayor, uh, uh, allowed uh, to be sprayed over the people. It's a known neurotoxin out of Europe. I was uh, very shortly, I was, uh, uh, I was put onto a guy named Anthony Sutton that was a research fellow at the Hoover Institute in Stanford. And he began, uh, he, or he was in the 70s, late 60s and 70s up into the 80s and, uh, and 90s. But he, he, began, he was writing books on the banking corruption. Uh, now, so o- over the course of time, Fenton, I began looking at following the money again and finding these banking threads uh, that seem to be very peculiar and disclosing through people like Sutton and, of course, uh, uh, Adriana Griffin. There's a number of other people that talk about this uh, banking monopoly that uh, that the Federal Reserve Bank, which is not federal, uh, has over the people. And there's something very similar in the city of London with this with the with the Bank of England. And then all of these roots. And this is why this is why I'm raising this point, Fenton, because you bring you, you said it beautifully and that it is colonialism. And then all these central banks, including China and Russia, they all root back to Switzerland. They're all rooting back to Basel. So then it is all roads lead to Rome. That's 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 a very good question. That's why that's what I want my listeners to start investigating. Do you have any comments in regards to the central banking system uh, and uh, in the in in the world right now globally? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, two thousand and eight. Because you know, I won't re re-examine what many of us know and what many of the savvy listeners already know. But essentially, two thousand and eight was engineered. And it was designed to put corporates on corporate welfare for a dozen years, and in the meantime, to deprive us of any further economic expansion capacity. Part of the Uyghurization. This is your Uyghurization. They're going to attack your economic structure. In that intervening 12 years, the corporates, they could care less if there's anybody on the planet. They have so much loot that they can afford to tank the global economy now. So yeah, the 0% interest rates are are 100% corporate welfare and 100% no more economic growth for you. That would have been our destiny. So it's a tool of the colonialization is the destruction of the banking system. And uh, I'm also very, very dubious about the idea of cryptocurrencies and having those cryptocurrencies as another extension of control when they take cash away from us, we're truly screwed. So we've got to you know, make our own alternatives, but most of all, what we've got to do is to take advantage of what Donald Trump did for us. Donald Trump stuck his shoe in the doorway of democracy that they were attempting to close and try as they might, bang as they might, they could not shut it because by a mere 70,000 votes or so, he managed to, to see Hillary Clinton off. And that was destiny, Ian, I believe. And uh, we have all become a lot smarter in the meantime, um, including uh, yourself, but you've always been smart. The only thing I think that Donald Trump, I'm happy to be interviewed by somebody that Donald Trump has called the prize fighter, but uh, I think he got it slightly wrong, Ian. Okay, prize fighter, but not the kind of dude. You want me to go down in the second round, boss? No, uh, and not, not even the 
float like a butterfly, sting like a bee, cries Spider. You're actually different. You're a warrior. You're a warrior of Clan Hamilton. That's what you are. Okay. <laughs> it's very kind of you. Very kind of you, Finton, to say those things. And that's actually right. And that's a, a, a somewhat of a disgrace here because Alexander Hamilton, uh, the the author of the U.S. Treasury, uh, and, and and certainly the the initial the initial initial bank uh, 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 that funded the U.S. government, uh, was somewhat of a sellout. And I'm saying that strongly because he uh, allowed, but so was George Washington. I don't know if you know this, Finton, but there's a publication of someone associated with Harvard University. Uh, and I think I've got it on my website under the research tab uh, that discloses. And I think this is available on the, in the Washington, uh, his estate uh, website uh, that still, still operates. Uh, George Washington owned shares of the Bank of England during the American Revolution. Uh, and, and of course, the Bank of England uh, primarily is a private bank, uh, and it's controlled by the City of London. And the City of London, of course, is a, a sovereign entity and not part of the UK. It is what finances the crown. It finances the monarchy. So in your, I want to hear your comment on this, Fenton, and I appreciate the very kind words. Uh, and look, for listeners uh, that, that may not know, uh, I, I don't typically declare myself either Democrat or Republican. I'm certainly uh, simply a constitutionalist that believes in free speech and freedom of press and certainly freedom of religion. And all those things are being attacked uh, heavily around the world and certainly in the United States where all those things should be free. Um, so um, it, 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 I began siding with, with, with Trump because uh, no one in the Democratic Party was standing up. And, uh, and, and Trump was standing up for those for those values. So whether he is uh, compromised somehow uh, financially as part of this great reset, I don't know. Haven't uncovered that. But 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 I thank you for those those words. And, and yes, he did. He did say that in, in Doral after I introduced him to the uh, Google whistleblower. So with that said, uh, Fenton, with that said, in regards to the, uh, the, the, the 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 central banking getting back at that, you speak about colonialism. Who's behind this colonial push in your view, Fenton? Well, it seems that the principal drivers from this is partly from information that's being received by Reiner Fulmich and his team in Germany who are preparing to launch a class action lawsuit. And uh, I think he made a very good summary of it. That is the power centers you've already identified, such as um, the power centers in the United States that we know well, City of London, Vatican, and then this assorted crew of billionaires who are on board, on, on board, many of them made by the New World Order right. itself, created by them, and then a, a, a similar cohort of extraordinary wealthy individuals in China uh, who are in an unholy alliance uh, in order to, to take us down. So that's at the core of it. And, and I take your points as well, too, about the, the, the over-politicization of this you know, who was it? It was Leonard Cohen who pointed and he said, I'm sentimental, if you know what I mean. I love the country, but I can't stand the scene and I'm neither left nor right. I'm just staying home tonight, getting lost in this hopeless little screen. But I'm stubborn as those garbage bags that time cannot decay. <laughs> I'm beat, but I'm still holding up this little wild bouquet. Democracy is coming to the USA. And fundamentally, wow. that strikes at my attitude to this. Bring it on. This is where your arrogance has finally exceeded your spirituality and our capacity to, to resist is activated. So they've activated.
activated us in, in the way that many of us were activated in 9-11, in the way that you were activated with uh, your discoveries of Zika, suddenly new doorways of understanding open up and you're now aware at a higher level. That's happening right now. I believe these people are going to fail, but it is our responsibility to make sure that the damage they inflict is minimal because we are going to carry that damage in our vaccinated children for generations. So we have to stop them at the earliest possible moment. It is a literal genocide going on. People often say, you anti-vax? Well, I'm pro-science actually. Um, and, and that applies to politics too. You know, you, you use your judgment and the less you box yourself into any particular corner, the more sound that judgment is going to be free of um, preconceived notions. But uh, I think this opportunity here now, which is presented to us, uh, is real and will be fatal for them. Uh, Trump, they did not expect. They did not expect. And therefore, they had to accelerate their plans. There are some difficulties with the way they're working. There, any, any structure, even a power structure like this, Ian, at the, in the end, it decays. Big structures decay. They lose people. They lose competence. Um, competent people and people with conscience leave, and they no longer participate. And so the, the structure that's trying to oppress us hasn't got the, the nimble dexterity of mind that we have. We're much sharper than they are. They just have their brute force, but they've relied on that too much. So it is an opportunity for us. We've got to take that opportunity. We won't get to. Nevertheless, it's an opportunity. I believe that they've overstretched. And uh, of course, the plan was to get rid of Trump and install the totalitarian system. That was all worked out and they knew it couldn't fail, except it did because they got caught. And now the people in the United States who aren't as aware as we are, are starting to catch on to certain realities. They're starting to realize, and so many know that Trump was the victor, obviously among, among Republicans, huge number, but even among Democrats, 30% realize. So many people are beginning to put two and two together. It was only possible to steal the election by means of the virus, because that enabled the mail-in balloting. And the fact that you couldn't double check that against exit polls gave them the opportunity. So only one thing would suffice to allow you to bypass exit polls with mail-in balloting, absentee balloting, and do it, and that was the virus. And people are starting to realize, hey, China's after not only trying to steal our election, but they're actually poisoning the whole planet with their activities. And that's, that's biological warfare. And I think people are connecting the dots. The more they connect the dots, the more energized they will become. And it's not rocket science, is it, Ian, to work it out, to, to connect those dots. Right. No, it's not. It's not. It, 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 and, and, and once once the dots connect, it's like a um, it's it's an energetic neuron synchronization uh, where it makes sense. And, it, and, and then and then and then you look for the next next dot to connect. At least that's kind of how how I verbalize the experience. Uh, and, and many people use the phrase woken up or, or, or become awake. Um, you know, a lot of. People that are Catholic don't like me saying this, and 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 let's not forget that JFK, who wanted to destroy not only the CIA 
but destroy the Federal Reserve System. And he, 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 just like Abraham Lincoln, he put into circulation in the United States silver certificates, which were based off of actual intrinsic uh, uh, value in, in the coffers of the U.S. government. Uh, that's all been wiped away. He, uh, JFK got his head blown off for that. And that's my opinion. That's my research. And I'm sticking to that. Um, uh, and, and certainly it's, uh, it's widespread. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of Americans, even, even then, were very suspicious of this Lee Harvey Oswald uh, uh, character. Um, uh, but uh, 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 this great reset, uh, which Klaus Schwab is, is, is calling for out of the World Economic Forum, uh, is is uh, is in, in in one ways. I want want you to answer this question um, to to really get down to the nitty gritty of of what 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 you feel is happening now now in 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 twenty twenty is 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 it is it is there something more than just the digitization of currency or or you know is there is is there an issue of um, uh, you know, wanting people to become sterile, wanting this kind of mass die-off, which which a lot of outlets are claiming. Even even medical doctors are saying that uh, these vaccines, it's inevitable, are going to are, are really going to kill uh, masses of people. And they're just they're not FDA approved. Uh, they are um, they they are uh, not uh, peer reviewed. They're not uh, they're not even they're not even vaccines because they don't they don't actually tackle the virus one on one. It's a synthetic injection of an S protein that replicates. Uh, 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 different uh, uh, non-antibodies in 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 the body in, in in the body itself, but but to um, to get to get to this in, uh, uh, in your view, Fenton, what 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 is really happening here? Um, and before before you answer that, what I wanted to insert was was I had a, a, an author on on the show uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, he's also a professor. Uh, he's, he teaches uh, college work, I believe it is. Uh, Eric Phelps, uh, John, uh, Eric John Phelps, and he he really uh, pins a finger, points a finger at the Jesuit-controlled Vatican because because before Francis, the Vatican was not the popes were not white popes were not Vatican uh, or not Jesuit. This is the first uh, Jesuit pope. Um, uh, but like I said, a lot of Catholics don't like me talking about that. But but not to forget that JFK was a Catholic. So there there seems to be there seems to be a power struggle. Uh, going on at the Vatican, and it could be like you're saying that they're pushing some of these agendas. They're fast forwarding them because more and more people are becoming aware of this. Um, again, and, and not saying that the buck stops there at the Vatican, but they are a, a major power uh, broker on on the global scale. Um, so, Fenton, t- t- the question I have for you is: What is really happening in your view, in your research? What is really happening? I mean, you started looking at the AIDS. Epidemic, and I want want you to talk about your relationship with John Rappaport because he's got a nice quote uh, for you on your website. Uh, you start with the AIDS epidemic uh, that was in the eighties, um, so you've you spent a lot of time looking at this. What is happening? What's the correlation between the AIDS virus, uh, in layman's terms, for not, no pun intended, uh, for listeners, uh, and the COVID nineteen issue? And um, what, what what what's really going on here? Is there something more than the digitization? Of money, what's what's really going on? Is it complete slavery for the human being by these elites? What, what's 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 going on, uh, Fintan? You you ask good questions, and uh, I'll try and I'll try and respond in like measure. Um, and it's good that you focus on the Vatican because absolutely that is one of the key power centers. Um, 
to, let's just move it up a level now. As what you called uh, this expansion that you referred to, as we as we realise the stuff that's been going on all along. Many people who support President Trump right now, you know, President Trump isn't somebody they might naturally support. He's a rough, sometimes abrasive character, but of course he's the perfect man because. You know, milk toast isn't going to sort this out. You need somebody who can get in there and kick ass. And he's doing that. So, you know, people had to cross certain boundaries. And I even have people who are supportive, you know. But, yeah, Trump, etc. So sometimes you have to go places you're working before. And sometimes you find you have friends because they're your enemy's enemies. And, hey, that makes them your friend. So in that sense, we got to, I think, examine all of this by re-examining what we mean by religion and the state, particularly in the United States. I believe that what's really going on here is two related phenomena. Reformation 2.0, which is the second reformation in, in Christianity. The first one was Martin Luther and nailed his proclamation to the uh, to the church and, and off was because why it was so full of abuses the Catholic Church, of course there had to be a reformation. And that first reformation was uh, by Martin uh, Luther. And then we also have democracy 2.0, the reformation of democracy going on. Um, but let's examine the fallout from the first reformation uh, and the religious phenomena that accompanied thereafter religion thereafter embarked on a campaign of destruction of alternative health the so-called burning of the witches which was terrible obviously destroyed the herbalists but what people don't realize is that to accompany that destruction of that local nature knowledge which the people had along with the new priesthood came the church doctors that's why they wrote their scripts in Latin, because the church doctors were going to replace the exterminated herbalists. And of course, church doctors hadn't a clue because they were simply indoctrinated individuals. The herbal knowledge, the uh, essential knowledge of human uh, uh, biology and nutrition, which had preceded that, they didn't have. So, however, we got this strange phenomenon where people's spiritual uh, allegiances were divided into these two sections. Prior to this, the, 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 the teacher of religious uh, knowledge had been both doctor and priest. Now priest was separated off from doctor and the two shall never meet. Priests are not allowed to talk about medicine and doctors sure aren't allowed to talk about religion. And so by this artificial schism, they were able to manipulate both sides and they manipulated the medical system into the control structure. Of course, we were suckers for it because people wanted to, they need reassurance about death. And unfortunately they do that by submitting themselves psychologically to the power of the doctor who seems to have the ability to stand between them and death. That's a dangerous authority which we have suffered under for too long. And it wasn't too bad. I say the heyday of it was back in the 60s, 70s, when you had a lot of uh, people who were fully engaged in a functioning system to an extent, but that has been corrupted. And now we've, in fact, at one stage, a big 
being a doctor was a vocation. People would talk about being a doctor as being a vocation. Of course, now people are in it for the money. And really, that's the problem. We cannot function with a medical system built on money. Whatever else about China today, ancient China had a different system. The doctor would call around every three months or so. And if you were sick, he didn't get any money. Yeah, he showed up looking for his tip. They say, get lost, pal. We're all sick here. What's wrong, he'd say? Because he's got to get you back healthy so you continue to pay. Chinese people at that time were smart enough to realize that if you reward people for when there's illness, illness will grow. So this goes right to the heart. This is how, how they keep the thinking within a box. You're never allowed to say that. You're never allowed to say, no wonder medicine is now sucking up 10, 15% of GDP. Believe you me, they want to make that 40 if they can do it. It's because we keep rewarding the system. Instead of paying doctors for producing health, and if they don't produce health, well, you're going to be on a subsistence. You need to deliver, and you deliver by making us healthy. We measure the metrics of our people, and if you're not delivering, well, you're not getting your bonuses, pal. That changes the whole dynamic and, and you know, gives the right orientation. But meanwhile, we're left with this authority which we have handed to doctors, and they are ruthlessly exploiting that medical authority which they have in order to bring in their new world order, in order to bring in this long-term plan. And we have to smarten up real quick. I know a lot of people have walked away from, from existing medicine due to its many, many abuses, but there's still too many adherents, and that's a problem for us. Uh, they are really stuck in that pre-reformation period. You, you, you and I, I hope, we are reformed in, re in regard to our attitude to medical authority. We, 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 they're on a level playing field with us. We don't have them on no pedestals. And so we're able to see the truth. But for those who are deeply reliant still on that authority to save them, then we've got a problem. We have to, uh, I don't know how we're gonna get to them, but uh, perhaps it's not so important to get to them as it is to constantly win over new middle ground and slowly but surely you know, nibble away at their, their support, which they have. Fintan, in, 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 again, in, 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 your, in your view, in, in your commentary of this colonialism, and, and, and I completely agree with you, this is a global scale colonialism. How do, let's just, let's just assume, and, and, and for listeners to understand, via Papal Bull, which is basically an order from the Pope, uh, the continents, uh, of the two Americas were 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 uh, uh, conquered uh, by largely the Spanish, the Portuguese, the French, and uh, the English. That's under order of papal bull. So they're all doing it under the order of the representative of God on earth, and that would be the Pope in Rome, in the Vatican. The same concept can be applied today, but we threw in a little bit of a wrench here. Uh, and it sounds like you had some more things to say on that. Now, if you throw in the Jesuit order, the Jesuit order within that Catholic uh, 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 religious theology, uh, they are uh, considered the Lord's Marines or God's Marines. They, they are the, the physical conquerors. Now, the Vatican is, in my opinion, so incredibly wealthy 
that they simply do not need an army. I mean, they use the Swiss, the Swiss Guard. The Swiss Guard protects the Vatican, but they don't necessarily need an army like the English or the Irish or the Australians or some of these other countries need an army. The Chinese need an army. They don't need an army. They infiltrate countries' economies. And, 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 and there's a great uh, discussion that I had a few years ago with a guy named John Perkins. He wrote a book called The Confessions of the Economic Hitman. Uh, so in my view, it seems that uh, the Jesuits uh, have conquered countries' financial systems, their banking systems, and that is how they are conquering uh, these natural resources and conquering people. So, so uh, again, but it, but it's it's this kind of struggle and reformation that you talk about, in that in that you know these these liberties are slowly being taken away. I mean, this is for listeners to kind of understand my point of view. This is a this is an organization theologically that has been around for over two thousand years. The new kid on the block, the United States, over two, not even 250 years old now, is a massive power, but they are very naive, I'll say, very naive in the game of global economics. Anyway, so that's just my thought. Do you, do you, have, any more thing, do you have any more to say about this notion of colonialism and uh, the Jesuits being a major power broker? Do you have anything else to say on that, Fenton? Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, part and uh, key part is their presence in what you would call upper tier schooling, the Jesuits. So yeah, it has been used to to pick out individuals who can be developed as uh, assets for the structure, and uh, the the religious uh, involvement in this is key because it's talent spotting. You know. Um, and I think it breaks down right now to that you either are going to follow the Pope Francis or Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano. Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano, for those who are not aware, is uh, he is currently calling out the existing Pope. He says he has allied himself with the very paedophile uh, tainted interests in the Vatican in order to secure his power. They say that he's a, an absolute fascist, that his track record in South America, where, where he originated from, is anything but that of a Francis, and more like the totalitarian power which he represents. So if we look at what uh, Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano said in recent days, he says the following, and this is powerful, because he is the real Pope. I keep coming back to, I'm going to keep coming back to this scene. This is Reformation 2.0. And you're either with Francis, who's happy with, uh, seems to be happy with abortion. He's certainly not that interested in it. And uh, doesn't mind if we need a little bit of cut back in humanity in order to make sure we save the dolphins. Give me a break. Here, COVID-19 is a pretext to give the semblance of legitimacy to restrictions on natural freedoms and fundamental individual rights in such a way as to create an economic and social crisis with which to make the Great Reset irreversible. Wow. Absolutely. And therefore, time for us to realize these people are going to wage economic warfare on us. The cyber attacks are the beginning of a wave of attacks on internet infrastructure and on actual facilities. These will be used as an excuse in order to tighten down on access to the internet. 
in order to take out certain websites that might be embarrassing who unfortunately get caught up in certain cyber attacks coming out of Russia or who knows where. Yes, so this, and they're going to continue that process, the um, blocking of the Suez Canal there with that ship. These are all precursors starting to get the population used to certain things, yeah? And interesting that they start rolling that out even as their COVID thing has sort of peaked and we've reached, we've passed peak hysteria on COVID, right? So they're already seeding and getting ready for the disruptions with which to economically destroy us. No two ways about it. This is a war to the death and the people they have in mind who are gonna die is us. And that's what Pagano was saying, who is very smart not to talk about the COVID thing at all, but just to talk about this big picture it's to create an economic and social crisis with which to make the Great Reset irreversible. It won't be that we get this choice of whether we want to go down that route. It will be destruction, 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 destruction to reduce our capacity to resist and to bring about what they're attempting to do. Well, that's not going to happen, certainly not with our uh, conviction as to what we need to do because Reformation 2.0 means getting rid of Francis or just walking away and, and, and you know developing real Christianity. Uh, I'm not a practicing Catholic, uh, Ian, you know, uh, because I thought it didn't sort of move with the times and, and I, I, the lack of commentary on what was going on in terms of social justice around us, uh, you know, that irritated me as well about the you know, Catholic Church and I don't go to Mass and all that, that's fine. But I tell you what, I have much more in common with my brothers and sisters who do go to church regularly. I hold to the same values that they do fundamentally. The architects of the United States Constitution held to those values. These are fundamental Christian values, however we may differently practice them, and they informed both the democratic structure and the Christian commitment of the American people. That's why Reformation 2.0 is Democracy 2.0 USA style. U.S. is about to reinvent democracy along these lines. And just to lighten it slightly, you know, when Jesus was just about to take off for the skies, he said, well, you know, guys, I've said it to you time and again, the new church is in the human heart. Wow. Okay? Yeah. So after I'm gone, I don't want any talk of, of you know, buildings <laughs> and, and uh, structures of power and control, popes, all that stuff. I've talked endlessly about that. Just don't do it, okay? And, you know, no sooner than he's gone, they turn to each other and say, right, let's just draw lots for who gets to be Pope. <laughs> you know, the admonition didn't last long, did it? But here we are 2,000 years later. Here we are 2,000 years later, and we're about to see that this explosion of intelligence and understanding, which has been characterized by the internet era, is producing these changes in the human heart, in, in our knowledge and our intensity and knowledge of understanding. This is the moment that he, that this figure, what do you believe he was just in a scene uh, uh, and not the son of God or whatever, this message about that kind of way of living is what's about to flower in human beings. This is the second coming. So it's Reformation 2.0, it's Democracy 2.0, and even though us Christians have no copyright on spirituality, this is the second coming. And it's not apocalyptic, 
it is a flowering of humanity. And what is, what is triggering it into place and into action is their attempt to do this is going to ignite that flame in some of us. We, we are relatively small in number in around the world. You are many in number in the United States. You are the majority in the United States in the democratic structure at the moment, which is so heartening. But that true knowledge, the kind of stuff you've researched, is going to start spreading faster and faster and faster, spread like a wildfire. And we are going to witness that, not apocalypse, but enlightenment. You can call it awakening, but that's a little bit too... Know, um, new agey. <laughs> yeah, Let's right. just get right down to it. It's, it's that second coming phenomenon. Fenton, uh, you're very easy to talk to, and I, and I really appreciate your time. I want you, for listeners, as, as uh, we wind down a, a little bit, uh, uh, I, want, I, I want listeners to understand, um, and, and I want your comment on, 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 on three Three people. Uh, I'd like you to, uh, again, talk about uh, John Rappaport, uh, who, listeners, if you don't know him, you haven't looked at the book, AIDS Incorporated. He's the author of AIDS Incorporated. He's an investigative journalist. I believe he's out of Southern California. Um, talk a little bit about your association or uh, or the work of John Rappaport. I want you to then talk about your association with Professor Cahill uh, and, and describe what she's doing. Um and then, um, and 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 then the other uh, the other person uh, that uh, that I wanted you to talk about. And this is going to be a this is going to be a controversial uh, 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 explanation on your part, perhaps. Would be uh, Bill Gates. What are your thoughts on Bill Gates? So John Rappaport, Professor Cahill, and then Bill Gates. Please, Smithen. Okay, <laughs> that's a visual grouping. But uh, yeah, John Rappaport, you know, I worked with John on SARS-1 and uh, he was the only one that, you know, who was at the level I was at because of my previous experience in HIV AIDS. I knew the science. I knew science. I knew I'd read, you know, at that stage, hundreds of scientific papers produced by both the establishment and the AIDS dissidents. And I had knowledge of that territory. John had too, and he had knowledge of the political dynamics going on there as well. And so we teamed up together in order to try and fight that uh, issue. John uh, is extremely acute and also he had an ability to communicate to a large audience in the United States. And so we both worked on that. Now, it was a very interesting thing, and I've referred to this in recent videos, which I did on, uh, uh, you can get them on Finton, F-I-N-T-A-N-D-U-N-E.com. You'll get linked to all the stuff. But um, you see, I don't believe that SARS-1 was in any way accidental. You look at the timing of SARS-1. This is when I was working with John. It was just after the invasion of Iraq that this virus, which had some months earlier been released out of China, came on the scene. And why did that happen? I'll tell you why it happened. Because they had not gone in to liberate Iraq. They'd gone in to destroy Iraq. They, what they did when they got in was they threw open the doors of every official building in the country and they let everybody loot the entire contents of the state. Now, they didn't want the rest of the world watching that because after the, the, the staged statue pulling down thing, they wanted people to look elsewhere. So this was absolutely part of the planning for the Iraq invasion. Why was that? Well, you see, the Chinese were aligned with Iran. The Chinese could care less if the Sunni were taken out. 
So that was part of the alliance. And that alliance between this power structure and the Chinese totalitarian state goes back further than 2003. It goes back, of course, to George Bush Sr.'s tenure as ambassador to China, if you recall. Right. Yeah, so that, right. so that yeah. 2003 and SARS and Toronto and all of that stuff that went on back down there, that was to divert the world, it, to put the world watching something else while quietly in the background, Iraq was destroyed. It was also to just hype up the fear, etc. So yeah, terrific, John. Uh, great to have John working with me at that time. But now you see how that the alliance goes all the way. I know there are claims that that, uh, you, that uh, SARS one came out true, you know, uh, 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 true of that, and, and naturally, and not true of bio warfare thing. But you just follow the logic I've given you there, and you'll realize that ah, this was an alliance in exactly the same mechanism. And also, it was a road test of what they were about to do now, because international travel. I set up a website called SARS Travel. If you go to the archive.org, you can look at SARS Travel and find a lot of the articles which I wrote back then, because the travel industry was been decimated at the time. So boy, have we been here before. So thank you, John, for, for being a companion on that. Dolores Cahill, uh, I grew up not too far from where Professor Cahill lives in Dublin, and uh, she has tossed away her career potential within an existing scientific structure because of her commitment to bringing out the truth on these issues. And I applaud her for that. It is so good to have somebody with her capability. Have we any idea of how plugged in Professor Dolores Cahill is? Uh, she has literally hundreds of scientific papers and she is acclaimed uh, by other scientists all around Europe. So I hope to work very closely with her in, in coming weeks. I'll be interviewing her, in fact, uh, and I'll link that interview on fintedon.com next week. We, we'll speak next week. I'm launching informedconsent.ie uh, with Dolores' help. She's currently working on a legal case in order to try and stop them vaccinating pregnant women. Again, we come back to the, the vital necessities. We are going to win. But we need to get stuck in and stop them harming people. That's what Dolores is doing. It's a very good focus. She's no longer standing on corners uh, um, shouting about this. She is taking tactical action in order to try and stop them doing generational damage to us uh, with that lawsuit. We'll be speaking about that lawsuit, and she hopes to file that in multiple jurisdictions. Um, so Dolores is a huge asset for our campaign, and I think that... Uh, um, her knowledge is going to be very hard to dismiss as we begin to get more and more traction. Bill Gates, I infamously, back in my time when I told you I was a techie, um, you know, Bill Gates uh, rose at the time and to the expense of Apple because, you know, I was with Apple earlier on. Steve Jobs and Apple as a company back then, a shadow of what they've turned into now. In fact, it's absolute insult to the... Uh, legacy of all the, the, the brilliant people who built Apple, but the establishment had to react to that. And that was IBM at the time. IBM heavily linked to intelligence agencies and the networks that we're talking about. So we were the disruptors back then in Apple. And who came along but a deal between IBM and Bill Gates and Microsoft. Fintan, you uh, very eloquently spoken. Uh, 
and, and, and a plethora of knowledge. What about, uh, what about, <laughs> what about John Waters? John Waters uh, uh, in Dublin, uh, he's been fighting for uh, some of these lockdowns. Are you familiar with the work of John Waters? What are your comments on John Waters? Um, yeah, I'm familiar with John Waters. And uh, what I would say about John is I, I was on a radio show many years ago and he was talking about how men were being, you know, put down and all, you know, it's, yeah, that's okay. Yeah, but, but one thing that came across to me with John, and obviously he's an intelligent man and all that, he's just whining all the time for crying out loud. I don't want somebody whining about how terrible things are. I want somebody who's gung-ho. I want somebody who's a prize fighter. I'm somebody, somebody who gets stuck in, not somebody who's sitting there moaning and whining, but look how they're taking our culture away. Yeah, well, let's do something about it, John. You know, and that's that's the criticism I have of where John is coming from. And, uh, you know, I appreciate that, you know, he's very accurate in many of the things that he says, but it's the tone and the, the manner of his approach that I didn't like. I also didn't like that the case which he put forward in, this, in the High Court and then eventually in the Supreme Court in Ireland challenging the um, lockdowns and other things like that was incompetent and inept. And I, I, in the end, it only served when it was thrown out to to be a pathetic half gesture of resistance. Uh, so, you know, I'll give it to you frankly. And I'll also say this. I'm not saying that John is in any way uh, insincere. I would not say that. But I do want to point out that we must be very careful. I realized in uh, 2005 when I published the CIA fakes, I realized that when these people are doing these kind of operations, this is why you have to use your judgment at all times, whoever comes forward on your side, that something as important as this, for example, 9-11, we had different groups all saying, oh, you're working with the CIA. No, no, you're, you know, as different, you know, theories and explanations. But, and I, I eventually figured, you know what? If you're going to try and contain knowledge of these kinds of events, you just don't want to infiltrate it. You want to control it. You want to control mostly what it talks about, the points it talks about. And I challenged many of those, and I got myself tossed out of the 9-11 truth movement for my troubles. But you can go to 9-11-deja-vu.fintendon.com. Uh, to get some of my work on that. 9-11 is very different to what the talking points that have been put around by the 9-11 truth movement suggest. I've interviewed Richard Gage. I disagree with him on the reason why the Twin Towers collapsed. And uh, I agree with him about Building 7. Building 7 was taken down. There were vulnerabilities in the design of Building 7. If you took out some key columns, 79, I think, uh, then you could trigger this the collapse we saw, etc. But uh, uh, he, he has never touched upon the true nature of 9-11. You see, 9-11, we've been primed from the very beginning by them, by the use of controlled demolition to clear the site. Control Demolition is a company. It's a company which is involved in clearing the site of the Murrah building in Oklahoma. And when Control Demolition was given the contract to clean up the World Trade Center, everybody figured, hey, 
control of demolition, control of demolition, the bombs were used to bring down these twin towers. In other words, you didn't need bombs. This is where I disagreed with Richard Gage. The design of those towers is such that if you struck them with planes in exactly the right way, you could take them down. What do I mean by the right way? Not with level flight, not with level flight. If you fly level flight into one of those towers, you're going to affect one, two floors, not enough. You need to strike the towers at an angle which spreads the damage over around about five, six floors. You do that, you're going to get all the air you need. You're going to cause the floors to sag the floors are going to pull in the side walls and the minute that happens the whole thing comes right down but how do you accurately hit at an angle towers when you're coming in at 500 miles an hour in the case of the second plane for example let's just take that one the second plane made two course deviations in the last five seconds the first one five seconds out gave it a little tilt to one side because it was missing the tower the way it was coming in exactly the way you would not do it if you were an untrained or even a trained human being, because they're not that easy to hit. Certainly not at that kind of speed. But this thing was gonna miss at that kind of speed, but five seconds out, it makes this first turn. And then another two and a half seconds out, it makes the second little turn. And those two turns brought it orthogonal, 90 degree angle, both engines hit the tower simultaneously, right? So the, the entire impact was delivered deep into the building and not angled. Now, how can you achieve that? Well, this is probably the first time I've talked in interview because you know, it's so long since 9-11. But in those thousands of hours, which sleepless hours, weeks and weeks which myself and Cathy McMahon spent in the aftermath of 9-11 having published that first article we found and I found from Cathy this one comment I can't produce it for you and even if I did it wouldn't make any difference the comment was from somebody who observed the plane coming in and they said that they noticed and they were close that the air control surfaces on the plane were twitching fast as it came in. There's only one thing that makes air control services twitch, and that's computer control. Those two planes were modified Boeings that were turned into effectively cruise missiles. And they used um, beacons, which were in the area, in order to guide the planes in. And that's how it was done. The planes were following a predetermined path, including those maneuvers five seconds and two and a half seconds out. Those are maneuvers which at that speed, a human couldn't make them effectively to produce the 90 degree angle required for the deep penetration and the collapse of the Twin Towers due to planes alone. But in order to ensure that we make total fools of ourselves and that they're never caught out on it, they then plant the seeds that it was bombs that were required. No, it wasn't because the further confirmation that I'm correct is that what hit the Pentagon was controlled in exactly the same manner. It couldn't but be. You can't take a plane at that speed down from a huge height and pull out of the dive 20 feet, 30 feet short of the ground. Oh, all you do is you run into the ground at 600 miles an hour. Nobody can execute that kind of a leveling out maneuver without the use of computer controls. So all of those targets were hit using computerized systems using specially adapted planes. So that's the insights 
which I, you know, brought to the 9-11 issue and why I think that when you get space beams being, you know, promulgated or no planes at all, it was all done with, you know, CGI and there were bombs in the buildings, these ridiculous ideas. But um, militarily, that was how it was done. I believe that the hijackers were real and they thought they were on a real mission, yeah. But that deliberately cultivated bunch of hijackers were about to intersect with a very slick, professional, military-grade operation, which would place them onto those planes, and then the further flight of those planes would not rely upon any terrorist. Those planes were then going to follow a predetermined course. So you have this external people coming in at the same time as you have a military operation synchronizing with that, because when you're doing this kind of stuff, you don't want mistakes. No mistakes mean computer control. And they had four planes for a reason, because they had three planes to execute the, the hit. And presuming everything went fine, they didn't need the fourth plane, the backup plane, so they could afford to ditch that. This is the kind of ruthless planning that went into 9-11. And I believe that you know the insights that I you know, I've just explained to you there, got me tossed out of the movement. Uh, and I believe that, you know, whether, whether it's 9-11 or COVID or anything else, be very careful of the stories being put around. Use your judgment and think carefully and consult independent and alternative sources. Don't buy anybody. Just use your judgment instead. Fintan, uh, what was the, if we, if we take the, the alternative to the to the to the common narrative that uh, that the planes were hijacked, it was a jihadist mission. Uh, if 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 we take this alternative, uh, that many many people uh, certainly uh, feel it to be accurate, that uh, that this was indeed an inside job. Uh, what what why was why were these towers uh, taken down? What was the objective? Uh, what was the what was the main objective? Yeah, well, there was a, a you know a financial objective for anybody who is collaborating with this uh, because those towers were good towers to pick because they were uh, full of asbestos and the demolition sure. cost of that just be uneconomic sensible. <laughs> But uh, they also had this um, psychological warfare aspect to them, the shock and awe aspect. You see, the way they structured it was that the first strike on the North Tower, which was seen by very few, was the priming strike. And that meant that every camera in the world was focused on the Twin Towers when they would bring in the second one. And the second one was used, going to use the same tactic they just told the entire world they were using in relation to uh, to the invasion of Iraq. They said, we're going to use a tactic when we're evading Iraq called shock and awe, where we absolutely terrorize the freaking hell out of the population with a massive bombing or so, whatever it is, to generate shock and awe. And so, with every eye in the world focused on that scene as the first tower burned, in came the guided missile of the second strike. And you notice the huge fireball. See, that all that was achieved with the precise control because they wanted the pyrotechnic. 
And by coming in at the particular angle that they did, they got the pyrotechnic effect they needed. This is trauma-inducing psychological warfare. That's what they were waging. That was the purpose. That was the reason. Psychological warfare to destabilize a precursor. I point out that there are three evenly spaced mass fear operations, and you'll find this on my website, F-I-N-T-A-N-D-U-N-N-E.com. The video's there, and those were about six and a half thousand days apart. The first was the announcement of HIV AIDS in 1984 by Margaret Heckler. Talk about global hysteria. That was a fear operation. In fact, there only have been three with that global scope. That one, six and a half thousand days later, 9-11, six and a half thousand days later, COVID. So this is a campaign of psychological warfare, generational psychological warfare designed to destabilize over time. It's not gonna work though. You know, I, I recently put some thoughts together on this on where we're at and what we all need to do now that we have this awareness, now that this moment has come for us all. And that's Delaware 2021. Because I am crossing Delaware River in the dark. I am declaring independence with my mark. I am twisting like a ribbon in the breeze. I am whispering like wind within the trees. I am high up in the clouds and underground. I am everywhere and nowhere to be found. I am everything that rises to be free. I am there when two are gathered making three, for I am boundless, yet I am bound to take a stand for my home, my heart, my history, and my land. Delaware 2021. Wow, <laughs> very impressive, uh, <laughs> beautifully said and very eloquent. Uh, let's wind it not down now. Words, What's that? Not my words, they, not my words. Uh, yeah. They sort of came, and, and I, I know the source they came from. It came in, 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 it came in seconds. It came, it came as quickly as I can read that to you, and that was something speaking through me. So, yeah, they are beautiful words. I certainly won't take all the credit for them. Fintan, I, I, want, I want you to uh, take a moment and give some, some final thoughts for listeners, some, some closing, closing thoughts. Before you do that, I want you to describe, uh, uh, I want you to describe uh, you know, uh, people, people uh, in the Great Reset or the globalists or the elites. These are, these are kind of buzzwords that are thrown out uh, around uh, in an alternative Kind of uh, to 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 the mainstream, uh, which is increasingly important uh, to to dissect and research. But but how do you describe the the the, the term when people say they? So in regards to the global reset, in regards to the elite or the globalist or the the, the who who is they? A- answer that if you would for listeners, Fintan. And then, and then I'd like you to, to give some closing thoughts. And you can, you can tie the two together, whatever works for you, sir. Yeah, well, you know, they, uh, as different levels of 
of uh, cognition and complicity in what's going on. You know, at one level, it's simply about individual political actors attempting to safeguard their existing political power within any structure, you know. And so it's, uh, it's about trying to safeguard neoliberalism and everything that it represents. Um, so at that level, you don't have to be cognizant of the big picture. You just simply have to act as you find your best interest to be. And so there are many players in the day who are unaware fundamentally of what role it is they are playing. They are simply, as I say, defending their political position of neoliberalism, which is on the way out, and the sort of globalism which has attempted to shoehorn Europe into one political entity is fracturing, as France is fracturing away from that uh, strongly. So it is an attempt as well to, at that level, to defend the European superstate, which is pivotal for this attempt, this globalist attempt, this alliance between China and the European superstate under Merkel is key to all this. So at that level, it's about preserving the EU superstate. At the level of individual pharmaceutical companies, it's about bigger bonuses. It's about more money. It's about higher revenue. So they're just blindly following us. But then at the deeper level and the deeper you go into it, and the higher up you go into it. It is this core group which is active for a long time. It's Freemasonry as a mechanism of control, and uh, it's the Jesuits as a mechanism of access and control too. And it's the billionaire, some of the billionaire class uh, and the globalists associated with them. Those are the they, I think, who are involved in this. But um, Beautiful, yeah. you asked me to... Should I go ahead? Maybe you have some comments on that. No, no, no. I was just, I was just uh, commending you on that. I was, <laughs> well said. Yeah. Uh, so I believe that what we have to do now is take advantage of the moment. This is a moment when we could suffer a fate worse than life itself and brought to an end the fate of having to live under an awful totalitarian boot and to see our own children's future destroyed before our eyes even more than it has been already. We should be prospering. We should be prospering. We should have been prospering ever since we deployed information technology at the level that we have. And we should be enjoying the fruits of that. Your friends, their children, all of us should have four-day weeks at this stage, giving us more family time. These are the kind of things that we could have done. We could all have decent livings and decent standards of livings and a decent future for ourselves. All of that has been stolen away because it would only empower us and enable us to resist them. And so, in their arrogance, and with the help of Donald Trump defeating that arrogance, we have been given a moment. And right now, it's a narrow window Yeah. when this opening up, I know things are slightly different in the States, but around the world, I would say to people, there is a narrow window right now. And this second wave is over and the hysteria isn't as strong when between June and September, we have to put paid to this. We have to demolish all of their propaganda and we have to mobilize a sufficient number so as that by fall coming, they're not in a position to reimpose lockdowns. Right. Because if we get that and go back 
force full on peaceful using not bullets but ballots using our internet using our communication systems to uh, to communicate with each other and coordinate and collaborate and also to engage with the general public and in that engagement we must not be confrontational we must not paint ourselves into a corner where we're saying you're all wrong we a small group are right that's just a loser you're going to paint yourself into a corner there if you go and continue with those kinds of methodologies no you never change if you things if you do that what you've got to do is offer people a better future then they will change for it they're not going to do it if you don't do that we've got to explain to them that our inheritance has been stolen progressively over a number of decades by a cabal and that if we challenge them and take them on we can build the kind of future we thought was within our grasp a few decades ago when we were all optimistically looking forward to the 2000 and the new millennium and the sky's the limit that was our ambition that was our our, our mindset and so we must re-engage with that mindset re-engage them with that mindset donald trump did that in part when he stood there watching the latest um rockets take off from cape canaveral you know and, and i've been there and i've watched one of those takeoffs in a okay we have lost Fintan, uh, let's uh, let's see if we can bring him back on. We we have lost connection with Fintan as. Uh, let's see if we can well, see if I can bring him back on here. Okay, um, bear with me. This is Ooh. Skype, and uh, for some reason, as he began talking about. Uh, his experience at Cape Canaveral, uh, the the call was lost. So let's uh, let's bring him back on for some for for to continuation of those uh, those closing those closing thoughts here. Bringing back uh, Fintan Dunn. We've had uh, quite a nice uh, episode and discussion with him, Fintan Dunn, ladies and gentlemen. Let's see, Fintan, nice to have you. Yeah, we back. We are back. Yes. Uh, so you were you you were you were you were talking about uh, experiencing Cape Canaveral firsthand in, in a launch. Yeah, exactly. I came down that highway. I wanted to just get close enough to the launch to actually see it. I, I never expected what was about to happen because we were in darkness and the thing was twenty miles away, and suddenly this light lifted up. And as it got, as it lifted higher and higher, it seemed to get brighter and brighter. And it was like somebody had hung a large incandescent light over 50 square miles of country, which was now lit up as if it was daylight. Wow. And I was just aghast watching this, this thing turn darkness into light as it lifted and ascended. That for me is the metaphor for the kind of dynamic we have to have right now to shine that light in the darkness, to lift it right up and to defeat the evil, which has in its arrogance attempted to impose its will upon us and which I hope has merely 
activated that spiritual dynamic within us all to finally take the move, get rid of them, and build a future that we all want, the future we thought we had before these doom and gloom merchants uh, came on the scene and began to destroy all of our hopes and dreams. So we have to re-engage people with that. Donald Trump did that by his attendance there. He was showing that, yes, we still aspire. We have a future we aim for. It is going to be wonderful. It is once we get rid of these people. So we have to engage people at that. We all then have to rise to the challenge of this moment and the opportunity that it presents. And uh, we're all playing a role in that, including yourself. And Fintan, for being there. Fintan, how 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 as an Irishman, how how does uh, how do the Irish, uh, how do the Irish view uh, Americans uh, right now in 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 part of this uh, this struggle, this reclamation? Uh, well, I think an awful lot of the uh, Irish people are propagandized. Unfortunately, you know we're in a minority in our in terms of the kind of viewpoint I would I would advocate because four years of relentless warfare on everything that Donald Trump represents mm-hmm. uh, has had its impact. Um, but I would say that outside of the cities, yeah, and in the Irish countryside, where people are still in touch with nature, where people are still in touch with community, the feelings are different. This to them is yet another, they've seen it all before, it usually comes out of cities, and you know they have the healthy rural skepticism for everything and uh, you know a lot of the resistance is going to come outside the cities that's something we have to realize as well that those who have gone to cities or are living in tower blocks who are only source of information is televisions um you know in many ways they lost uh we need a bit of a wizard of oz thing we're eventually going to return to the land we use the cities for some time because we needed them to trigger you know, industrial and economic processes. But I think we'll return to the land and we'll distribute ourselves back out. We'll use internet as connections. And, uh, but anyway, that, that, that is the unfortunate reality that we are in a minority, not in the fortunate position. Thank God for the people of the United States, not for the first time you are going to, you know, you are going to shine a light and especially when Donald goes back on the offensive and people start to realize what truly happened. You are in many ways our salvation. Many of those who, who currently have the views they have in Ireland will quickly switch them as more truth comes out. So, um, you know, I'm very hopeful for the future. And in particular, I'm hopeful for a future which is going to be triggered into the next phase by the resurrection of Donald J. Trump very soon. Once we have all of the receipts, as Steve says, uh, Steve Bannon, we have all the receipts, they're coming in Arizona, and we're not in a hurry. We're going to be patient there until we can show those and show the proof. And I expect that Donald will come back and that he will come out with all of that data from Arizona, with the receipts, and say, I told you that it was stolen and we now have the proof, and we're going to get it in the other states as well. That will produce a hemorrhaging of the uh, current establishment, who in any event are weak. I mean, is this the best they can do, Joe Biden? Is that as good as it gets? I mean, God be with the globe.
the likes of Tony Blair to sell us a pile of bullshit, or even Barack Obama. Uh, they're past their prime. <laughs> Sorry. I have to catch that. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Is that uh, <laughs> what is that? Is that okay? <laughs> is that a, is that a, a phone call? What is that? We've <laughs> oh, got two good interruptions there towards the end. <laughs> nice one. Wonderful. Yeah. Yep. So let's let's do it. Let's do it. You know, I I can't wait for it. But we've we've got to do it calmly, and we've got to do it with the right attitude. As I said before. Um, We've got to be less confrontational and more smart. This war is going to be won with humor as much as with presence of people on the street showing their opposition. It's going to be won as much with memes and pictures that encompass messages as it is with complex arguments. And we need to approach the battle in the right way and win people over in the right way. It's not about fighting the opposition right now. It's about that middle ground, the ones who are not too far from sort of agreeing with us and winning them over into not just agreeing, but joining this great battle as we press forward now in the wake of the hysteria and take advantage of this summer window of opportunity before it gets too late. Ladies and gentlemen, Fenton Dunn, FentonDunn.com, D-U-N-N-E. Fenton, excellent work. Appreciate your uh, your 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 maneuver. You you and yourself are uh, you are a, a force we reckon with. You're a, a warrior, and uh, and I appreciate your time. Thank you very much for this joining discussion of truth, sir. Well, thank you, thank you very much, Ian, and it, it's been great and a privilege to be interviewed by a descendant of Clan Hamilton. <laughs> thanks very much, Ian. Okay, ne- uh, until next time, sir. Thank you. You bet. Finton Dunn. Uh, look, I, I, ah, the new Reform Club. There it is. Interestingly enough, it just popped up onto the screen. Uh, you know, in regards to the George Washington uh, claim that that I had mentioned, um, that uh, that he owned shares of the Bank of England during the American Revolution. Uh, This isn't necessarily research that I have dug up per se. The publication is dated May 21st, 2019. You can find it at the reformclub.blogspot.com. If you simply type that into your browser and type in General George Washington, uh, you will likely come across this publication. I believe I also have it listed at iantrache.com under the uh, under the research tab. But what you're basically looking at is the Bank of England, which was anal- analogous to the first bank of the United States, serves as the private banker for the British exchequer. This is a Roman banking mechanism that stands today in the city of London, which is a sovereign entity it controls the queen or king whoever's in power at the time it controls the monarchy uh, and therefore it controls the British government most Brits if you will like Americans have no idea that there is a private bank 
that controls their government. This is fact. 1913, Woodrow Wilson passed the Federal Reserve Act in the United States. That gave this private banking mechanism power to coin and obviously print, which is unconstitutional, which the Constitution doesn't define. It says coin. Coining and printing is different. This is why JFK was assassinated. Because there is no intrinsic value behind a Federal Reserve note. It's fact. Pull one out of your pocket. Pull one out of your wallet, your purse, whatever. This is Federal Reserve note. It's not redeemable for anything of intrinsic value like gold or silver. Okay, That is contradictory to what JFK inserted into circulation, even Abraham Lincoln inserted into circulation. And if you think that, oh, these people are, you know, it's, it's, that's, Ian, yeah, that's the 50s. 50, 60 years ago, and then Abraham Lincoln, you're, you're talking 130 years ago. Uh, it's simply not uh, It's simply not something that equates to this day, or 150 years. It's something that, of course it equates to this day. It, 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 this is exactly what's happening. And the Federal Reserve has no gold. The U.S. Treasury has no gold. You're, the Federal Reserve notes, which, are, which is what the federal government uh, allows to circulate, uh, has no value. They're no value. They're, ba- they're all. It's based off of the. It's based off of a multiple debt system, uh, which uh, which uh, which again uh, has no value. So where is where is the gold? Right. You should be fighting for a gold standard. Fractional reserve banking is the debt system that I was speaking of. Uh, Richard Nixon abolished the gold standard in 1971. So yeah, you you think cryptocurrency is the the, the new wave? Well, you're no, you're not wrong in that. It's definitely the new wave. Uh, you know, digitized currency is what a debit card is basically, uh, the chip on the debit card. Um, but if there's no value backing that, then it's simply a fiat currency. It's worthless, and that's that's what's happening. So it's not that I'm particularly opposed to a digital currency per se. I'm opposed to a currency that has no value supporting it. Um, and you, you certainly follow the, follow the, the chain, of, chain of, of command. The British pound is far more valuable than the US dollar. <clears throat> and the, the, the reason I talk about the city of London is that it's a <laughs> private banking mechanism. That was, that was, that was, that William the Conqueror was unable to conquer in 1066. It still stands that way. The queen asks for permission to enter it. That should tell you all. So who regulates it? Who has control over it? Certainly the Rothschild do. They're one of the largest shareholders of the Bank of England. They're controlling uh, families over the city of London. But uh, they in themselves are an investment manager of the money collected by the various churches that dot the globe for the Vatican. And this is why this Fenton Dunn discussion today was so key because he was talking about this the discrepancy in the leadership within that organization which you can view as a business there's no doubt about it it's the largest business on the planet um, what two and a half billion followers of this business I mean it's two and a half billion that pay at least some money over the course of their lifetime to this empire it's still an empire they make no doubt about that it is still an empirical body Okay, um, but the Carl Marino Magano, I, I believe I got that name correct, 
that Fintan Dunn was talking about that's in opposition to this Francis, Pope Francis. This is another very key element to this discussion. Very, very, very key element. Don't forget that Joe Biden is the second Catholic, uh, uh, Catholic president. The first got his head blown off. And then two of them, though they are both part of what is known as the Democrat Party, which I think officially started in the 1820s. Andrew Jackson, as a matter of fact, was a member of the Democratic Party, and he was opposed to these, this, this, uh, this monolithic European-centered banking system uh, that has complete power today. It didn't then, but it has complete power today over the United States of America and her constitutional freedoms. That means it's controlling your media, it's controlling your education system, it's controlling your government. Make no mistake about it. And the person that I started studying to understand this was Stanford Hoover fellow, Anthony Sutton, who in himself was born in, in England, but uh, I believe he died uh, likely in the United States as an American citizen. Um, he explained all this in, in, in great detail, starting, for instance, with the Bolshevik Revolution being financed by Wall Street. The, 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 the power of the United States and her constitution, the liberty that that legitimately allows its people to prosper under has been manipulated officially since 1913 and at various stages of its existence since this George Washington owning shares in the Bank of England. And again, that's from the reformclub.blogstop.com. So anyway, so a a really great, that's fintondunn.com, again, D-U-N-N-E. Miraculous work that he's doing, very insightful, and it was great to see uh, when you go to his website, you'll see that, uh, that John Rappaport has left him a very nice testimonial. Uh, he just does great work there out of Ireland. And even John Waters, uh, who Finton would like to see a little, hit a little bit harder, John Waters has, has done some really spectacular work, and he joined me uh, a year. He joined me last year uh, on this program because he was, uh, he was opposing these tyrannic lockdowns. Um, so anyway, this Great Reset, folks, in my view, uh, is uh, one, of the, one of the main key power players in that. And you're, you know, if you're Catholic, you may not like me saying this, but again, follow the money. All the all ahead points is, is this it, what seems to be very corrupt Jesuit order, seemingly. And that, that, is, that is portrayed extensively through the 800-page, excuse me, 1800 page, it's over 1,800 pages of documentation from author Eric John Phelps. Okay, use your own discretion. Okay, at the moment, that is, that is, that is what I'm looking at. Doesn't mean it's right, doesn't mean it's wrong, but it's certainly backed up by meticulous research from Eric John Phelps in, uh, in his book. Uh, you can look at that. So um, what, what you do need to fight for in the United States, in America, what you do need to fight for, and, 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 and wherever you are, globally, Ireland, New Zealand, especially Canada, what you do need to fight for are your inalienable rights. And my argument, whether you're Democrat or you're Republican, my argument is that you use that U.S. Constitution as, your, as the backbone from which you fight from, as the foundation from which you fight from. from. That is the most perfectly written document uh, by any governing body, in my opinion, does not need to be altered, rewritten. Could there be amendments, perhaps? 
but the key the keys do not need amending and that is those are that's those rights found in your first and specifically second amendment and those are the rights that i'm going to address being free speech freedom of press freedom of religion and in your second amendment your freedom to self-defense and the freedom to arm yourself okay those things are under attack today being dismantled you start losing those freedoms which we are you've got pro- we've got problems so you need to stand up you need to end this tech tyranny the censorship the ridiculous censorship twitter facebook google uh, this is this is tyranny make no mistake about it this is tyranny um and uh yeah i mean certainly a perfect world right you would live in a house where you don't lock your doors at night well it's not a perfect world and likely you do lock your doors at night and anyone that enters your house without authorization well isn't that isn't that called uh trespassing so 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 why would the borders why would it be so easy why would the borders be so fluidly open today under the Biden administration. You don't have a problem with that? Well, then, you know, I mean, I suggest why don't you leave your door open at night as you're living, as you're, as you're sleeping? Well, what's the difference? There's no difference. Because that person that might, that's crossing that border illegally, perhaps is viewed as le- legally crossing from the person in, in that's currently uh, commander-in-chief. You know, he wants that. I don't know. I haven't spoken to him. Uh, but uh, but but that person that's crossing illegally is likely headed to your neighborhood in your city and will be living in your city. Will they be entering your house? You don't know that. You don't know that question. Do you want them entering your house illegally? Okay. So um, whether you're Democrat or Republican, some of these basic questions of security. Now, I mean, you know, universal health care. Well, uh, that's a different subject and a different story, uh, and uh, I'm not going to get into it at the moment. But wonderful discussion with uh, Fenton Dunn, and I appreciate you uh, tuning in and listening uh, to, uh, to another episode of Discussions of Truth. Uh, find extensive research on a number of the topics that Fenton and I uh, talked about today at, uh, under the research tab of iantrache.com. Subscribe, uh, subscribe to me on Anchor.fm, four ninety nine a month helps me with my operational costs, um, and you can do, do do that as well at BitChute. Um, and if you uh, appreciate the work that I have done, uh, I, I'm self financed, so um, contribute financially if you're in a position, and if you're not, and the words that I speak resonate with you then send this episode on to a friend or colleague. Okay, very simple. Just post it to your Facebook, post it to your Twitter, post it, send it to someone in a, in a message in Telegram or whatever it may be. Send the message on. Because all I am is a voice of other people's research. Essentially, that's what it boils down to. Um, look for uh, my book, Trying Day Publishing. Uh, contract uh, is, in, is is been in hand for, for quite a while now. Um, Freedom reserved, no more lies. Should be coming out uh, soon, and I know a number of you have pre-ordered that. It is still on pre-order. Do so, please. Uh, Amazon uh, char- chapters, 
And uh, folks, until uh, until next time, and, and look, uh, I'm back tomorrow night with um, uh, Alan Dershowitz, and then I'm going to bring on um, Charles. Um, uh, excuse me, um, uh, Charles Moskowitz. Uh, Charles has uh, been on my program before. I've been on his program, so he'll be joining me again tomorrow night. Uh, that'll be after uh, after I have some time with um, Alan Dershowitz. So, uh, IanTrache.com, uh, pass, uh, pass this on, and until next time, folks, be awesome.